Okay, everyone, good evening, and thank you for joining. Tonight, we have Parsha in my life class. We have a very special, <clears throat> a very special class for a few reasons, but the most important is that it's being dedicated for very, very, very special people. And a few very special people came together from different directions. They don't even know each other, and that's really beautiful. Unsolicited, just out of nowhere. Um, okay. So first of all, let's go by the order in which the dedications came in. The first dedication came in, and this is by all the way from Tzfas, by a woman by the name of Shira Gittel Sharabi, living in Tzfas who lets me know on an email, I've never, uh, I don't know if I ever met her, um, by email how she listens to these classes for the last three years daily, and every day it gives her incredible chayos and life and joy, and giving her a, a, a real amuna and strength in the coming of Mashiach, even though sometimes it's dark and difficult, but there is, uh, these classes are literally a lifesaver. So I'm thanking you for, no, first of all, notifying me. That's very, very important uh, because, uh, you know, I struggle with darkness the same like everyone else. And I, uh, sometimes I'm like, okay, what, what, what's the reason? What's the point? So by you sending me this, this really uplifted me. She's doing this in honor of her mother's yard site, which is tonight. Etta, her name is Etta Matele Bazalmin Halevi. Her yard site is Zion of, I think, seven years ago. Seven is a very special number, so this is either, either it's the seventh Aliyah or it's the eighth Aliyah. And either way, it's a great, great Aliyah's Neshama. May it be to the greatest of heights. And the being that you're in the Galil and Svas, that's the place where you know, the action is going to happen in the coming of Mashiach. Um, at least the Sanhedrin is going to come back to Tveria first. Uh, uh, Mashiach, whether he's going to be revealed. Um, the Rebbe said he's going to be first, first revealed in America. But uh, then it'll be maybe, maybe his passageways through Tzvas. May we see that Bukhar uh, of Mamish. And uh, only strength to you, from strength to strength, from you for you, your entire family, your children. Nachas, you have a, a, a daughter's birthday who was in, in, in Tammuz. Uh, may this be a schus for her, for the whole family. And again, thank you for that dedication. Um, another dedication we had was, and this person never asked for a dedication. He just sent us a, do, a, uh, a, a, um, a donation and said I should have him in mind. So I might as well have him in mind by the class. So this is for you, Robert Tehrani. Um, and this should be a schus for your entire family. Robert, Davina, Ariella, Jonah, and Usher. I don't know if it's Jonah Usher or Jonah and Usher individually, Tehrani. All of you should have only mazel and bracha and atzlacha and only, only good, amazing things. Much, 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 much good. Bracha in all aspects, in all areas. Parnasa brachava, much, much light. 
And let the lights of Mashiach already shine down on your family. Last but not least, a dedication by the Zeidenberg family, by Shira Malka. They're from British Columbia. Um, this is in honor of their daughter's birthday, which is going to be tomorrow night. If I get it right, it's Chesav, leading into Tishabov. Um, their daughter is turning 13 years old. Her name is a very special name, Bina Liba. The Zohar says Bina is Liba. The level of Bina is, is the heart. And this is where it's all at, as we're going to also discuss in today's year. You should bring it down to the heart. The whole Geula depends on bringing godliness down through the head, down into the heart. To register, the Ebishter will give us a heart of a heart of flesh that we will feel, sense the reality of the Ebishter. In any case, Bina Liba goes to sleep every night, every single day. She, that's what her mother tells me. Every single day she goes, I don't know if she goes to sleep, I hope I don't always just put her to sleep, but she listens to the classes of Maya and Yisrael. Imagine 13 years old to absorb so much chasidus. No wonder why Bina Liba. And I hope from the absorption that it has in your soul and in your heart, um, which I'm sure it does, it will penetrate my heart as well and the heart of all the listeners and the heart of the entire world. That the truths that are spoken in these classes, which are divine truths of Chapur Chasidis, may this already come down into the and when we have already the full Bina Liba, which is the third Beis Amigdash, is where it's all registers. The Beis Amigdash is sometimes referred to as the heart of the world. So, um, happy birthday to you. And a year of Shnaz Bracha Natslacha. May from your birthday we go directly into the biggest, biggest, biggest Yomtiv. May it be already this Tishab of the happiest, happiest, happiest Tishab of ever. Because even if we're going to commemorate the following Tisha B'Av, I'm hard, it's hard to believe it can beat the first one. The first Tisha B'Av when we come out of Golas and go to the Giyula. Um, and may we merit already the full, complete, I love your email. I just noticed when I was looking through the dedication, I noticed your, your email. I want to ask the Abishter if the Jewish people are not ready for the Giyula. Your um, Shira Malka's email... <laughs> is pakoid pakadati at gmail. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for keeping, for all these listeners that are keeping me so inspired and so alive and so devoted. I hope to be more devoted, but uh, this, is, this is very special. So that itself is already enough to make this class special, but the class is going to be special because we're going to speak some special stuff. Special thoughts, special ideas. This is going to be part three of a shir that I started two weeks ago. And two weeks ago I gave two classes consecutively, one day after another. I think it was Monday and Tuesday. You know, I was supposed to give the third, but I somehow, I guess it was so important for this to be, uh, to be, for this to be spoken and for this to be revealed, at least to the English-speaking audience. The revelation of it is in... In, 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 um, in writing has been already uh, many, many years since the Rebbe said it. The Rebbe said this mimer in 1962. But then it was published and edited and published later in, I think, in, uh, 
in, in, in 1990. Um, but I don't know if it was really transcribed in English yet, this mimer, and it's a fascinating mimer. And we, again, we did two of those classes. I intended doing it last week, but again, there was obstacles. And here we are. We're going to do part three, hopefully complete it. And it's interesting. It's, maybe it was waiting for this week because it's not just a part three of a discourse which relates to the three weeks, to the third base amigdash, and so on and so forth, but it actually is connected to a pasuk in this week's parsha. In this week's parsha, it says that very pasuk that I mentioned earlier regarding to the birthday of Bina Liba, um, where it says, you should know today, you should translate it to your heart. What should you know? That Avaya is Elohim. That these two names of God are both one. When we know this secret of Avaya Hu Elohim, then we've done and we've brought about the full purpose of creation. We've brought about the whole purpose of existence. So tonight's class really, in its own little way, completes the purpose of existence. Just the, the mere fact that these words should be spoken, these truths should be said uh, on, 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 on the uh, airwaves, on the YouTube channel, on Facebook, on all the other ways that, these, that, these, that this teaching gets around through, um, through modern technology. Modern technology was created just for the sake of these incredible, deepest secrets of that, that reveal the underlying truths of existence, which is the panemius of the, of the Beis Amigdash. Because what we're explaining now is what really is the toichen, the content of the third temple. When we reveal its content, then we can already have the temple as well. So may Hashem help that in our, from our own little, little, little effort that we do, that I'm doing over here, and you by listening, me by uh, sharing, um, may this already be the final, the final straw that breaks the camel of exiles back, and let us already see Mashiach Tzedkenu now. Okay. So we're going to recap in the most kitzur shebe kitzur digaway um, what we had discussed in the earlier class, classes. I would recommend to listen to class one and two. It's on our website, it's on YouTube, it's called um, Can the Nature of Time Be Timeless? And that's what we're talking about. Okay, so um, regarding the month of Av, we mentioned, it says in the Pasuk, it says in the Midrash, that the Eberster called the lion to destroy the lion in the month of the lion in order that the lion should come and rebuild the lion on the month of the, in the month of the lion. What does that mean? The month of the lion is the month of Av. The mazal of Av is a lion. Um, the lion that was called was Nebuchadnezzar, who's called a lion. He destroyed the temple, where the temple is referred to as Ariel, a lion. And the purpose of all of that is for the sake that the lion should come. The lion is referring to Hashem in the month of the lion, which is the month of Av, and rebuild the lion. So what we see from here is that the Beis Amigdash, and primarily the third Beis Amigdash, is called the lion, even though it says already the lion by the first Beis Amigdash as well. But the emphasis over here is that the 
that this space Amigdash called the lion that is built by the lion. Seeming to say that the other Beis Amigdashes were not built by the lion. They really weren't. They were built by, by Shlomo Melech, by, uh, by the, uh, the Jews, Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's Koresh, um, who gave permission for it, but not by the lion, which is God himself. And the third Beis Amigdash we know is special is because it's being built directly by God. Migdash Hashem Koninu Yadach. Now it says that the real quality of the, what's going to be so great about that base of Mingdash is that it's going to be permanent. It's going to be durable. It's going to last forever. Dafka, the third base of Mingdash, is going to last forever. The other ones did not have the mile of Nitzchias. The latter base of Mingdash will be greater than the first one. In what sense? It's going to last forever. But the question over here is over here, it's, it, in the Medrash, it says that Hashem destroyed the first temple so that he can build the third one, or destroy the first one, and he can build the second one, and destroy the second one, so that he can build the third one. Now, if the only Maila, and the only quality of the third base Amigdash is its permanence, its, its, its eternal status, then, <laughs> then, then let the first one stay. Don't destroy the first one, and the first one will be eternal. So what we see from here, as, as we pointed out, is that even if the first one would last forever, it still would not be eternal. The true meaning of eternity would not have been implied to that Beis HaMikdash, even if it would never have been touched, and it would have lasted and gone on, and it would never have fallen apart, and it would have lived on forever and ever and ever. In other words, it could last forever, and yet not be, in the truest sense of the word, a bias nitzchi in eternal Beis HaMikdash. In order for the Beis HaMikdash to be a biased Nitzchi, it needed to be Dafka, the third Beis HaMikdash. That's the only one that can be the eternal one. So we need to understand what is the Maila, or what is the quality, what is the greatness of eternity that we're speaking about over here that's going to be reflected and expressed in the third temple and not in the first Beis HaMikdash, even had that one been, been, been forever. Okay, that was the main primary question that we had over here. So to answer that, we went into a whole discussion about what is unique about Mokoyim Hamigdash. What is special about the place of the Beis We explained in the previous year that the Beis HaMikdash is special not just because of Hashra's Hashchina, not just because that's the place where the Shechina dwells, but that the Beis HaMikdash is special because the place itself is a different type of a place. Leis Dei Nasar Hediet. That's what we learned. This is not an ordinary place. It's not mundane space. The space of the Beis Amigdash was a different kind of space, and that's even before the Beis Amigdash was built over there. Yaakov Avinu said it before there was a Beis Amigdash. He said, And I didn't know. Was the Lashon over there. Is the Yud Kevavke Hashem is in this place. That's what he said. This is the house of God. But he says, There is a Yud Kevavke in this place. This is the house of Elikim. And this is the gateway to heaven. And as the Targum says, the meaning of This is not ordinary space. Which means that the, 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 very, the very space of that place is different. In what sense is the space of the place different? So we spoke about this idea that in the Beis Amigdash there was the, the, that space itself was spaceless. 
And we, that miracle that would happen in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, I explained it in the earlier class, that, this, that the Aron, the Ark, even though it was a spatial entity, it was an entity that existed within time and space, it was a physical piece of material, in a sense, with the laws of physics on it, which every physical object occupies space. But this, this thing, when you put it in, when you took it somewhere else, it occupied space. But when you brought it into the Kodesh HaKadashim, it didn't take up space in the room, even though the room itself had a certain measure of space. So there was some kind of... And that idea that it didn't take up space, why was that? So we discussed because it's, it's not Asar Hedyet. What's Asar Hedyet? Asar Hedyet means a place that is being generated and created and sustained and brought into existence through Milin Dehedyoita, through the words of a simpleton. It says that when God spoke uh, the ten utterances, the Zohar refers to the ten utterances as Milin Dehedyoita, Valav Urche, the Malkali, Shtoib, Milin Dehedyoita. That the words of the ten utterances are not befitting for God. It's not really true, the words that should be spoken by an aristocrat, by, 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 of royalty. It's a uh, chit chat. The Hashem spoke something. He created a world which is much lower than his true greatness. And that's everything that's in the universe. Um, but when we say this is not Asar Hedyoita, means that this place is somehow, it's a space that has within it um, a presence of something that's beyond the ordinary space that is created by Milin Dehed Yoita by the Asara Mamores, by the ten utterances. What does that mean? The ten utterances come from the name of Elohim. As it says in Bereshis, Bereshis Bar Elohim. And then we know there's mentioned, it's brought in Hasidus, maybe the Zohar mentions it, that there are 32 times the name of Elohim that is mentioned in the story of creation. It means all of creation is brought about through the name of Elohim. And Elohim, that what, that's what sets the laws of physics of time and space. The Beis Amigdash, being that it's lays dain asar hedyoita, when I say Beis Amigdash, I mean the space of the Beis Amigdash, even before the temple being there, is, was, is different. In which sense is it different? Is that that's a space that's deriving, oh, now, here's a very important point. It, it's, it's, okay, I'll say that in a moment. It's deriving its existence not from Elohim, but from Havaya, from Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke transcends nature, transcends the order, the physical order, the laws of physics of time and space. That's why in Yudke Vavke you have Hoya Hoya past, present, and future together all in one shot. So as, as Yaakov Avinu said on that place, Ein ze, eh, 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 um, the over there, Ochen yesh havaya This space has a gilu of havaya. It's intrinsic to the place that havaya is being galas of But, we write, we, this is very important to understand. It's not purely, it's a different zone. Everywhere else, is, all of existence is deriving from Elohim. And right over here, or whatever that means here, there is a gilu of Avaya at this, at this place. And there's no Elohim. That's not what it means. Um, the, the, we know that when Hashem created the world, 
with the Asarim Amarais, the, the Makam Amigdush was actually the first and the beginning of that creation. As we know, the Evan Hashasiyah is called Evan Hashasiyah, this is the foundation stone, because that's the, where all of existence germinated. That's the seed, that's the foundation stone. Everything else was built around it. So that too comes from the name of Elohim, which is the power behind creation, which is the Asarim Amores, which is the Mil and the It's not that this is not part of that creation. It's just that in addition to it being created from Elohim, there is an underlying there is an underlying um, reality in this space and there's a gilui of Havaya. What does that mean? Because all of creation is not purely from the name of Elohim. All of creation is really from Havaya. Hashem really creates through Havaya and the power of Havaya is filtered with the name of Elohim. It's some kind of a blend between the two names of Havaya and Elohim that result in creation. Usually, the Indian of Elohim, the name of Elohim, completely filters and screens Havaya that it does not allow the beyond time and the beyond space, space element of the divine to express itself. So what you're left, what comes out on the other side, once it comes through the, the filter of Elohim, is a rigidity of time and space. The Mokram Amigdash, the Elohim did not obscure Havaya on the opposite. Elohim allowed Havaya to come through. Not only allowed, but actually as we're going to see today, the depth of the main idea of what we're going to see today is Elohim conveyed and expressed Havaya. And as a result of that, this space has different rules. On the one hand, it has space because it's created from the name of Elohim. That's why the room had had to be measured with very specific measurings, which is only possible if it's derived from the name of Elohim, which allows for limited um, existence of time and space. But yet, it, it's the, 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 as it was space, and within its space, it was spaceless. And as we're going to see in the third base Amigdash, that even though it exists in time, but it's timeless. And that's the true secret of its eternity. It's the convergence of both. And the main idea is, and that is not an added, that's not an addition to its existence, but rather that's the nature of its existence itself, as we're going to explore. Okay. Um, so the the uh, let's see what, else, what 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 other components are necessary before we can continue today. So to understand this, again, one more, one more point from the previous class, and then we can continue. So we need to understand the difference between existence as it is created through the name of Elohim and existence as it is comes about through the name of Avaya. Because as mentioned earlier, creation is not a product exclusively of the name of Elohim. 
Um, there are psukim that attribute creation to Elohim, like we say in the Pasuk, Bereshis Bara Elohim. But there is also psukim that, it, that attribute creation to the name of Havaya. As it says in Davening, we say it in Halaluka, Ya Halalu Hashem Hashem, you should praise the name of God, Kihu Tziva Vinivro, because he commanded, Havaya commanded Vinivro and they were created. So we discussed last week. In the, in, the, in the class number two, very important idea. Again, it's worth listening to it thoroughly. I'm just going to mention Mamish and Akuda, just a point. Is that um, from the name of Avaya, we could have had the exact creation with all the details trees and sky and birds and people and animals and grass and everything, stars, the, the galaxies. And everything, every the oceans and dry land, some totality of everything that exists and everything that is could have could have been not just could have is actually created and comes about through the name of Avaya, an entire universe, and the the, the, the universe. The, however, it would be a, the nature of the universe, which means the experience of everything would be totally different. The experience of every creature and every being would be about the create the the artist, not about the art. It would experience itself as nothing more than the than the creativity of the artist. And you can and therefore the identity of every being and every creature would be God, not the creation. Whereas when Hashem creates the world through the name of Elohim, he gives us identity. In a sense, he, what it, through the name of Elohim, Hashem pushes us out of his existence and gives us our existence. That we should be about ourselves, not about him. The toichen of our existence is about us. We feel, at least our experiences, that, 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 that we feel ourselves very strongly as, as beings of significance. The, and that's hint, and that's because as follows is that, just, is that through Elohim Hashem is occupied in creating, and through Havaya He's not occupied in creating. Creation happens automatically. Creation happens without effort, so to speak. It just Hashem is being Hashem, and creation just as if it doesn't mean chas v'sholem without his consent or without his will. Of course, it's only with his consent and only with his will, but there's no, um, there's no, we might call effort or exertion in creating. Through the name of Elohim, there is, there is that he's focused in, in the process of creating. The difference between the two, as we discussed in the earlier class, is that when you create something and you put yourself to, to the creation, means that you're stepping out of yourself towards this entity. You're, it's about it. That's why you have to move away from yourself. You have to... But if you're just being yourself and automatically... And I gave the example of, of a teacher teaching a student how to daven. A person teaching a student how to daven by davening, great, by davening in a very deep way themselves and then the student just automatically learns how to daven. Or by the teacher engaging and, and involving himself in the student. That means that you're stepping out of your own world 
and you're going to create the student's world of tefillah, of davening. It's a whole different, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different, it's a, it's a, the product, obviously, the result is a different one. So, the, 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 so if, you, if you remember, we discussed that really we can say there's multiple universes. There is a deeper level of existence where we are created. So which one is it? Are we created from Havaya and therefore our existence is only, is only the, the, the godly existence where our content is Him or about Him? Or do we, are we created from Elohim and our existence? Obviously, we can see from our consciousness the fact that we have egos and we have self and we have a very strong sense of self. Uh, obviously, that's because Hashem chose to create us through the name of Elohim. But, but what do we mean that creation is also for Shem Avaya? The answer is, there is two levels of, of existence. There is a more subtle state of existence, which is our existence as we are in Shem Havaya. But that's a very deep level of existence, which is not felt in us. And then there is a more external element to our existence, in which we are created through the filter of Elohim, because Elohim covers Shem Havaya. And on that level of existence, and where we're in which we, our consciousness is, unless we work very hard to peel away that consciousness and to go deeper into Havaya. But our ordinary consciousness is the consciousness of, of Elohim, and an Elohim that obscures Havaya. And therefore, we have a very strong identity. Okay? Now, one of the differences that comes out if our identity is ourselves or our identity is our creator, is as follows. If our, if our identity is ourselves, then the nature and, and the basic infrastructure of all of existence that we all share, that every creature and every being in this planet, and not just in this planet, but of all of the cosmos share, is the basic the basic features of all of existence is time and space. Similar to what the Rambam says, that all of creation, at least below the sky, uh, are made up of the Arba Yesodos, of the four elements. Uh, the, one, the basic fundamental principle of all of existence is time and space. So um, that experience of time and space is, what's the idea of time and space? Is that everything is bihischalkos, everything is divided. Is that when something is is in the east, then it's not in the west. When it's in the north, it's not in the south. You're either south or you're north, or you're east or you're west. You can't be, if you're here, you're not there. Everything is set in its place, and everything exists within time. Right? The people that lived a thousand years ago, they, they lived occupied that period, that time period. We're living at a later time, and we don't have their experience, because they were, and, and we are now, and then there are the generations that are going to be later, and we're going to be then the past. I mean, Mashiach comes, we're going to live on forever, but that's the idea. You, you, you live within the construct of time and, the const and within the space that you're in. Right? So we're living here, we're American Jews, and there are Jews that are uh, Australian Jews, and Jews that are uh, Israeli Yidin. So each one is living in their, in their place and in their... So this is chalkos, this basic is chalkos, division of time and space, which kind of is, all of existence is trapped in the trappings of time and space, is only because creation is from the name of Elohim. From the name of Avaya, there is no time and space. Now, this is not, let's understand that. It doesn't mean that time and space doesn't exist, that, that there isn't time and space at all. 
there isn't time and space as we know it. And what do we mean by that? There isn't the division of time and space, but that time and space exist simultaneously. That means every moment of time is connected and one with all of time. And every moment of space is really connected every moment, every, every, every inch of space has and connects to all of space. And it's not an individualized, separate, there's no separateness. And the reason for that is because if your create, if your identity is you, then you feel yourself. And then when you feel yourself, you are opposite of someone that is different, not you. Now, so your, your Matthias, your existence fills your space. You fill that, that moment of time. You fill that, that, that space that you're in. And you're a contradiction to something other that occupies space. And that one inch in the, in the south is different because it's in the south with its characteristics of being in the south is different than an inch in the north with the characteristics of being in the north. This is cold and this is hot. Or whatever, whatever, whatever difference. This is high and this is low. So these things can't go together. But if the, 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 the inch or the... Let's go again, if that foot or of, of space in the south, its identity is not that itself, but its identity is its creator that God created it. And the identity of the foot in the north is not its, its existence and its characteristics and whatever it is, but the fact that God created a Metzius of north. Since their true identity, what's felt in them very deeply is the creativity of the creator, then they're not opposite each other because they're both, the content of both of them is the same creativity. So here and there are really one. One and the same, one existence, one reality, inseparable. So all of space is 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 is, is unified together. All of time, past, present, the future. That's why you say from Havaya, from the Yutke Vavke, which is this higher level of existence where God creates the world without work, which means the creation is just an expression of Him, not an entity onto its own. It's not like we. It's not like when we speak about Havaya, where we're not we're, we're not mentioning any any aspect of time, just pure. Um, I don't even know what you would say, eternity. But eternity, we're also thinking that time goes on forever. But the, the, beyond that whole that whole the whole system of the whole the whole reality of time, we're not saying that. We're saying Hoya 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 was, he is, and he will be. That means whatever is impacted by Havaya does have a past, present, and future, but not experienced as three separate times. How does that work? We don't understand because we're outside of that. We're living in the limitations of time and space. So now we'll understand what was the chidush of the, of the Mokam HaMikdash. What is the novelty of the space of the Beis HaMikdash? The novelty of the space of the Beis HaMikdash is... That everywhere in the world, Elohim dominates over Avaya, blocks the timelessness 
and the spacelessness of Havaya, that state of Bittal, is blocked, meaning that state of identity with Creator, identity with God, that level of consciousness is completely blocked, numbed, shut down from the creations. They are, exist only from stage two in the creative life force, which that, that was, that's what's coming through to them, which is the name of Elohim, which puts everything into its existence. It makes you um, aware of self and, 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 and therefore self-aware and self-conscious and become about your own existence. And then the clashes begin between my space and your space. You're there and I'm here and that's how we can survive. Two entities can't occupy the same space. And, and in general, that creates differentiation. It, it leads ultimately to war and to opposites. And to, this is all a consequence of the name of Elohim. So generally, the name of Elohim is completely a powerful filter that blocks Havaya. In the base Hamigdash, the Chidush is, in, the, in, the, in, in that space, is that Elohim did not block Havaya. Since Elohim did not block Havaya, so what did you have? On the one hand, you had a room that was a room and a box and an ark that was an ark, which, which means it had all the features of space, but at the same time, being that Havaya was coming through, in which Havaya there is no space, and rather there is, but, 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 but the space is not space in that sense, that, 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 it's all, that, that um, things don't occupy space in the sense that... that, that I, I, if I'm here, I'm, I'm taking away space. Because all of space can converge. As Havaya was revealed in Elohim and expressed through the, 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 uh, the conduit of Elohim, that's how you had this convergence of space and spacelessness. Okay, this was the Chazara, the repetition of what we learned earlier. Now, we're going to take this and to, to, to the next level. And again, I, 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 this was just a very brief um, um, review of very deep concepts. So again, I would recommend listening to the full classes that we learned earlier. The question still remains over here is as follows. Um, oh, the real chibur that we're saying that happened over here is that there was a connection of Elohim and Havaya, that the space of Elohim became completely unified with the spacelessness of Havaya. But here's the question, that is an, that is an oxymoron. That itself is an impossibility. Because when we're saying that, that, that if, if Elohim is applied to Havaya, if you have Havaya energy, creative energy of God, emanating and flowing from God, which brings about an existence in which the definition of all the existence is the source that creates. That's the definition of all its existence. So let's call that stage A. Then you're coming in and you're bringing in stage B. You're applying Elohim. And what is the definition? What is Elohim's objective? What's its entire identity? Is to block the, 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 the consequential rays that are emanating from God, which are really the stuff of what all creations are made out of, and block the source. So that these rays don't feel that they're emanating from a source and that they're submerged in their source. So therefore they become, so to speak, 
they formulate into existences, into, in, into existence that is independent, that is separated. And what, what that does to everything is that it, 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 it stiffens up, it, it makes all of creation it, 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 rigid, it brings about, it highlights the differences. It, it, it emphasizes the differences. So that what that really means is it lacks every creature and every being in its, in its space, in its time, and in its features. And in its, if this is hot, then it's a contradiction to cold. If this is fire, then it's a contradiction to water. That's its, and that's what Elohim is supposed to do. That's what it does. So if you're going to say that in the Beis HaMikdosh, Elohim was not applied so then you can say, good, everywhere else there is time and space. Right over here, in the, in, in, in the, when you walked into that room, that room was unfiltered. That's when you had a channel that did not, the filter was not applied. If the filter was not applied, okay, so you have spacelessness. You're saying that the filter was applied. The definition of applying that filter is that the resultant consequence is space. The moment you're saying that what? That no, Havaya is now dominating. So oh, now bring back Havaya. So what, what is Havaya going to do? So Havaya is now going to dominate over Elohim and break the filter. Oh, so you broke the filter. So there is no filter. You can't have it both ways. There is a filter that filters out the infinite. And therefore you have this, 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 this finite result with, its, with all of its... Limit, limitations and definitions but at the same time you have it's 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 it, 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 there's no filtration if so if you're going to tell me okay good so over here is one place god comes along and he decides i want to remove the filter somewhere okay see i don't have a filter but that's not what we're saying because if you remove the filter there is no space we're saying there is space and at the same time it's there, there is no space, so, so, so how does it work? Now you can answer that it's both. How can it be both that the filter is here and therefore applying the definitions of time and space? And then there is, and then, but at the same time, the filter is not here. And therefore it's, it's negating and it, it does not apply the limitations of time and space. So we have creation as it is from Havaya. One second, is it yeah or no? You say, well, it's a contradiction. Well, contradiction of yeah and no can o is only in, 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 in creation that's a contradiction. To God, it's not a problem. God can simultaneously be yes and no. He can make something be and not be at the same time. It's, it transcends logic. That would be an answer. And sometimes in Hasidus, that's the answer that is given for the phenomenon of the Mokama Migdosh, of Mokama Aren, Eino Minamida, that the place of the Aren is not Menamida, sometimes that's the explanation that's given. Doesn't have to make sense. It's called Nimnaham Nimnois. It's from God's pure omnipotence, and therefore he can, he can do something that is essentially a contradiction. The Rebbe in this mimer, however, is not following that route. He has a very big chiddush. His chiddush is no, 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 that we have to that 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 from and he he, he says we see it from from different places from different maimarim the way they explain it. 
is that there seems to be some logic to this. It's not just accept it. Accept it, you know, God created logic and he can do whatever he wants. He supersedes logic. And the rules of logic don't apply to him. So you can have yes and no at the same time. He says, no, 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 no. There is something over here that we can actually appreciate it intellectually, logically, how this can work. And in this we're going to have two levels. We're going to have it working on one, through one explanation, and then we're going to have it working through a second explanation. The difference between these two explanations is going to be as follows. The first explanation is going to apply to the first Beis Amigdash and the second Beis Amigdash. To this convergence of time and timelessness, space and spaceless, and beyond space, in the first two temples, they're both in accordance to the first explanation. And then there is a much deeper convergence of space and spacelessness, and the same also time and beyond time, from a much deeper understanding of what's, allow of what's allowing it to happen. A phenomenon that was not present in the revealed way in the first and second temple, but only in the third base of English. And that's the idea that we're going from the beginning, why the third base of Migdash is the ultimate base of Migdash, and why true eternity is only from the third base of Migdash. So I'm just gonna lay out the outer structure so that you'll, it'll be easier to later when we fill it in, it'll be easier to grasp. So again, we're having two explanations of how we can converge Mokayim and beyond Mokayim. In the, in the idea that Mokayim Aorin, Enam and Amida, that the place of the Aorin is not, is not, is not, uh, is not doesn't, doesn't, doesn't take up space. This convergence, how it could be explained, is by explaining something with two explanations. One more external explanation and one deeper explanation. The more external explanation will explain the phenomenon as it re and, and, that, and that was already present in the first and second temple. But in the third base Amigdash, we needed we, we uncover a much deeper understanding. And where is it? Where is it uncovered? It's uncovered in 1962 when the Lubavitcher Rebbe says this mimer. I mean, we're gonna see, it's already stated in the Pasuk by Moshe Rabbeinu. You have shown us to see. But the explanation logically that the mind should be able to grasp it, what Moshe Rabbeinu means when he says because really space is a product of Elohim and beyond space is a product of Havaya. If, you, if we're going to bring the two together, Havaya, um, if we're going to bring these two together, Havaya and Elohim, and show how Havaya and Elohim are really one, the convergence of two opposites, Havaya and Elohim, convergent, the consequence of that is that Mokoim and Lamailam and Amokoim, which means space and beyond space, are one. And that's why you can have space and spacelessness together. Space itself can be spaceless, and time itself, the name can be timeless as a consequence of the unity of Avayan and Elohim. What is the base Amigdash? The place where that unity happens. That's the whole point of the base Amigdash. Yichud kutsheberichu 
the unification of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina. Shechina is Elokim, the name of Elokim, the, the the or the name of Adna, which is the the consequence of the filter of Elokim, which allows for the name of Adna, uh, which is the source of time and space. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the name of Havaya Yudkevavke. In the Beis Hamikdash is where this Yichud took place, like the two cherubs expressed in the Aaron of the two luchos. One is representing Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and not the two luchos, the two um, uh, kruvin, the two cherub. One is representing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. One is representing Shechina, and they're 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 unified. We're in the Aaron, and that's what brings about. So from the entire content of what the Beis Hamikdash is, and we're going to see that from the Beis Hamikdash, really this. Unity takes effect and begins to show in the rest of the world as well. And that in all of creation, all of existence, ultimately we discover the, the yichud of avaya and elokim. And at that point, space itself breaks out of, 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 of space. And time breaks out of time. And the world kind of elevates itself. The, when, when we redefine creation, when we, when we see it differently, we liberate all of existence from the confinements of time and space, and, and the world evolves. This is so fantastic. Just by the, 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 this higher truth, by this higher country, which doesn't take anything other than digging deeper into, into the, the definitions of one's own existence to discover that these definitions, the way we've seen it till now, just are not really the true depth of them, and then suddenly our entire reality switches, which is already being seen in science now with the, with the discoveries of, um, of um, no, well, well, they're, 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 they're using these days, uh, they're discovering, no, they're even making computers already, on the, uh, operating with this, with, uh, on, on the science of, uh, no, I forgot the word. I was in funny right before the share. I was thinking, and it just slipped my mind. And basically, where you have the idea that things can exist in two, two space at the same time. And things can be opposite. Uh, making computers where you can have something, it can be a zero and a one at the same time, even though it's a contradiction. Opposites. See, this is happening in the world already now out of a consequence of this being revealed and the primary root of that revelation is going to be in Yerushalayim and the Makam Amigdash. Oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Quantum computing. Thank you for whoever wrote that. Okay, that's where you go. That's where the world is literally going in our, in the, in the, in, in, into our quantum physics is, is already touching, it seems to me, like on, on this idea of a complete redefinition of the very, very physics of the very nature of existence. And this has to do as a result of us in Torah redefining the world. Okay. So now let's go first to explanation number one. In when the Torah says that you should know and you should bring to your heart that Havaya and Elohim are one. How do we understand that Havaya and Elohim are one? Okay. So the, the first explanation is what's Elohim? Elohim is the tzimtzum. Elohim is the power of God concealing himself, and as a result of his concealment. He's blocking his infinite, and he's there, thereby emerging, bringing about a world, a world with its limitations. So the, the, the consequences of Elohim is that one does not experience the 
the the the otherwise the, one cannot see and 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 and, and realize the infinity of the Ain Sof. Because of Elo, because of Elokim. Without Elokim, the infinite light would emerge for, outward, and there would be an expression of Ain Sof. And as we said earlier, even if creations would come into existence, they would still sense the Ain Sof source that created them. And therefore they would all be identityless and lost in the infinity of their creator to the point that they wouldn't even know, even have any consciousness of their own being. From the name of Elohim comes kind of this, this, this concealment and this blockage as it's explained in the, in, in the yesterday was the yard site of the Arizal. And when a God, first it was Oirin Saif, Mamalako Makamacholol, first it was the infinite light that filled the entire space where creation was later created. And then, so what did Hashem do? In order, and there was no room, no possibility for a creation. So Hashem made what we call this big black hole. The black hole meaning a, a, he removes himself from, 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 the, from the space of creation. And as Hasidus explains, it's not a true withdrawal, but it's just a withdrawal to the experience, we're soon going to see what that means, to the experience of the creations. And within that black hole, Hashem goes about and creates a... a, a so what's that black hole? It's all related to this, this concept of Elohim that's filtering and blocking the Ein Sof. So it says an interesting idea. And that is as follows. This Tzimtzum, this power that, that, that Hashem brought into play, that blocks the infinity, that blocks the bligvul, the, the insof, the, the infinite, the endlessness, is only a block to the consequential creations that are going to receive from it. To the Eberster, to God himself, to the source, Elohim is not blocking. That's point number one. That means to him, even when you have already this, 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 whatever, let's call it a filter, when you have this filter that's filtering out and not allowing ain't so kind of expression and revelation, that's only on one side of the filter. On the other side of the filter, looking at it from the outside, so to speak, in, the ain't so is not blocked. And the Ein Sof is fully present with all of his Ein Sofism, which means with all of his infinity, even within this, so to, so to speak, blocked space that we've just now set aside with this empty space for creation. So is this space really empty from Ein Sof? It's empty from Ein Sof to the ones who are going to be brought, created from this, from because of this absence of Ein Sof, from the finite light that's going to trickle through. To them, to their perception, it is blocked. From God's perspective, it is not blocked at all, and He's fully present in that symptom. So Elohim, what that really means is Elohim does not block for Him. Elohim is a one-way, um, uh, you know, like, like, like I have on a car, 
Sometimes you have these um, tinted windows. It's only tinted for the uh, people on the outside. It's not tinted for the people on the inside. People on the inside can see right through it. But at least it's still darker. But in a case where it's not at all darker at all, from Hashem nothing changed. Pre-symptom and post-symptom. To him it's exactly the same. If that's the case, so now let's just for one moment, let's take that then, let's see what, what's derived from that. What's derived from that is that when God brings about this symptom of Elohim, which the consequence of that is time and space, the time and space is only, only on this side of the filter. On the other side of the filter, which means to God, time and space doesn't exist. And that's why to him, he himself is present everywhere with all of his infinity. And there's no difference at all between north, south, east, and west. Everywhere is everything. And in every speck is all of existence. And time is whatever was and whatever will be for all of eternity and whatever was and whatever is now is all simultaneous. It's all now. It's all, it's all present. There is none of this of this, of this differentiations, of this separations, of this, of this uh, definitions. Because to him, Elohim doesn't block. So, what's the example that is given for that? What's the example? Now, you can say because Hashem's tricking us. He's tricking the creations to be to buy into this kind of fake concealment called Elohim. But Elohim is one of God's names. So Elohim too, which is the power of Hashem to limit himself, the power of Hashem to restrain his otherwise infinity. If that power to Hashem to emanate energies that does limit and and consequentially create Things with definitions, with boundaries. And that's a real, it's a real, it's a real Metzias, the name of Elohim. It's one of his names. It's his power to define himself or to, 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 to limit his, his, his energies to, to specifics and thereby create all the specifics of time and space. So what do we mean that to him it's, it's, it's not? And if it's not, then it's not true. Then, then we're, that, what would that mean? That would mean that our existence is an illusion. If our existence would be an illusion, then who? Then why should we take anything seriously if we don't even exist in a true manner? So Chassidus gives a very interesting idea and an understanding to us to be able to understand how the the uh, the filter is a real filter and it's truly to us, but to Hashem, He's beyond that. So the example that is given is from a teacher and a student. A teacher has a very, very rich and powerful idea. A very, very, very amazing concept. A very, very deep. <laughs> Similar to this concept, like, let's get exact. This concept that we're learning today, this is very deep stuff. 
deep, deep ideas. Again, I'm not the teacher here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just a channel, and I don't even know how well I understand this. This is this. I'm sure there is. I can, if I, I can think about this and think about this and study this and and study this and and gain a, 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 a endlessly deeper understanding in what I am saying to you right now. Um, but a teacher like the Rebbe. A teacher who's, uh, who's, 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 who's actually formulating these thoughts and these ideas. Very, very, very deep thoughts. And then the teacher knows that the student, and he wants to teach these teachings to the student. But the student is not at all capable of such, of su of such abstract ideas. This is way too abstract. It's way too, too deep. But the teacher wants to teach the student. And what does the teacher want to teach the student? The teacher wants to teach the student the full concept, the full idea, the full depth of the idea. They know the student is not ready for it yet. So what does the teacher do? So first of all, they have to start the lesson. To start the lesson, they have to give the student a very preliminary concept, a very much lighter concept. Much lighter, simpler concept. You can imagine, you know, to start talking about the concepts of time and space to second graders. They're 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 not. Uh, this is this is way too abstract. Time and space. Second graders, third graders, fifth graders, even. You know, sometimes you have a smart kids. They're picking up on it. Right? You get a little older. You get to high school, college. Go to yeshiva, you can start thinking in the abstract. Little kids, right? So when there is this great distance between teacher and student, teacher wants to teach the student. So number one, the teacher has to shut in their mind for a moment the idea. Because as long as the bright idea, with all of its richness, and with all of its depth, is illuminating and overpowering and overwhelming the mind of the teacher, then the this small little crumb of an idea that they want to give to the student, it's undetectable. So they have to blank their mind for a moment. And then, from amidst that, that darkness, they come up with, ah, here they have, now they have a thought. Now they have an idea, a simpler, much easier concept. And this will become the source of their lesson. They're going to teach these 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 uh, simpler students. But the idea now, even as, as it is, even this small little idea, is still abstract. It's just a tiny little piece of this vast perspective, of this vast, amazing new scientific breakthrough. It's just a small little piece of it. But even this is too, still, it's too, it's still too abstract language. So the teacher will create a metaphor. And the metaphor will be completely alien to the concept. The metaphor is going to be from things that are more tangible, concrete, in the world, in the mind of the student. The student is not thinking in abstraction, mathematical equations and abstract ideas. The student is a, is a child. They know... So the teacher will take examples from the world of, of the concrete material world that the student lives in. 
And that's how the teacher will present the, and in this metaphor, will be this deep idea. Again, what will be in the idea? A small little, one thought, one kernel of this vast idea. When the student is getting the lesson, there is now stage number one, the student is hearing a story of stuff. That's the mushal, that's the metaphor. So the student is not at all, in, at this first stage, the student is not at all seeing any content of any concept, of any idea. They're hearing a story. Whatever the story is about a horse and a buggy and a, and a, and a, and a, and a school and a, and a road and a, I don't know, a, a, a countryside. And, and they're imagining it, and the teacher is a good illustrator and develops and says this martial, this metaphor, very, very, very in rich terms. And the student is mesmerized by this awesome story, taking it all in, absorbing it. But a story. So now you have this story, and you have the teacher. The teacher is telling the story. What does the teacher see in the story? The teacher sees in the story the concept. And even deeper than that, the teacher sees that in this small little point of the concept really lies this entire chidush that explains the entire cosmic order, that explains existence on a level so deep. It's all watered down to one little crumb, one point. Of course, the point is one point of it, but in the point, in the DNA of the point, once you get the point, in essence, you can see how this applies to vast, ideas much greater than just this point. Not only that, the teacher sees that in the metaphor. The metaphor that's talking about the horse and the buggy and the, this one, the driving. And you know, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov tells these amazing deep ideas and he tells these stories. Sometimes you're like, where in the world is he going? But obviously Rabbi Nachman, the tzaddik that he was and the thought and the unbelievable mind that he was experienced these deep truths about whatever and, 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 and he found them and, and he told the story. And someone can just read the story and read the story. You know, there's interpretations, interpretations. The concept of a metaphor. Shlomo Melech said, Mishalim. So now you have both. The student has a story. Now if the student went home before they even, let's say the, the, the bell rang, recess time, the kid went, and then there was a, 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 a pipe that busted in the school, so school ended early and the kids went home. Kid went home, he didn't even hear, the, all he knows is a nice story, it was a fascinating story, so he remembers the details of the story. You have the story as the, as the student has it, and you have the very, the teacher is now thinking about that metaphor, and they go on, but the teacher sees everything in that, in that story. It's the same story. Looking at it from two perspectives. The teacher who created that story as a metaphor for a, for a point, which that point is really a small piece, a small kernel from a much larger idea, sees all of, their, of, of, of the entire concept in this little story. And that's the same thing with God and time and space in the world. The Abishter wants to convey to us his, his infinite, his absolute truth. His true self he wants to convey to us. But he wants to convey it to who? To entities of time and space. Whatever, why, what, where, and when, that's not the point of this class. But this is what God wanted. So he made a metaphor. First he chopped it down. First he, first he, 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 he separated 
the, the limited light from the infinite light. And then the and then the limited light itself, which is going to respond, which is going to result in a world of time and space. That itself he covered up, as we said, as we said earlier, in a metaphor. We see a metaphor. And that's why we see a world of time and space. What does God see in this very, very metaphor? In, in the very... What Hashem sees is the Ain Self. In this he sees the full emes, the full truth. And it's not that... And he, 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 here's the depth of it. It's not that despite the fact that he made time and space, despite the fact that there is a metaphor, <laughs> despite the fact that there is a metaphor, and there is a, there is a coach, and there is a wagon, and there is a countryside, and there's tulips, and there is a, a doctor that they went to visit, and a king, and robbers that came, and whatever the story was, whatever that story is, despite all of that, I'm not distracted by that. I see this one idea that, 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 that really this is really all what, what it's all about. It's not despite. It's that very, very creation, that very metaphor, that very reality, it's, it's true content of what it really is, is this idea. Camouflaged. Set up in a way that it can be presented to a much lower realm, if you can say. So Elohim, which, 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 is the, which, which creates the story, the whole story of all of creation, our lives and all lives and every story ever to be written, which is all brought about from the name of Elohim, that's, which, which makes the metaphor. What is it really about? It's about telling the story of the Abishter's truth. And what truth? Not a limited truth. The true inf infinite truth. We're seeing a metaphor. Eventually, we see the limited light. And eventually, when the student grows older, and it, and it says a student will only reach the mind of the teacher after 40 years. So after 40 years of examining and re-examining this story, even, though, even if they've way beyond cracked the metaphor, they've seen the, 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 the lesson, the content, they'll re-examine it, and suddenly say, whoa, this, in this just one story is like, is this so much more. This is like vast, this is vast, this is endlessly vast. They'll see what the teacher saw. See the growth in the student as they're, as, they're, as they're getting deeper and deeper and deeper in this metaphor. Why is it? Why is it that The metaphor which is the total opposite of the abstraction of this concept. The metaphor is very limiting, very defining. And the concept is very, very abstract, very un unlimited. Or let's talk in world. The God is not defined by any definitions, limitations, boundaries, and so forth. The world that he created is a world with definitions and limitations and, 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 and time and space and, 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 and real, real, what we call is chalkos, real division. 
A world that totally is opposite of his truth in the sense that of expressing of, 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 the, of the nature of the one who created nature that's beyond all nature. So why is it that it's one? And the answer is, that's why we're using, that's why we're using the metaphor of the metaphor. Let me stop for a second and you'll get what I'm saying. The teacher went and told a story. The story that the teacher st told from the very beginning is a story to explain the concept. Which the concept, as we said before, is meant to, to be a small little injection or a small little introduction to a much, much greater idea. That means that the story, which is now a story of, 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 of events or occurrences or, 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 or objects and stuff that the student can relate to, has been initially molded and crafted and, de 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 and developed to convey the, the concept. So there, it's not about a distraction. It's not about a story. It's about, it's, it's, from, it's from its very initiation and from its very inception. It's facilitating, it's expressing, it's, 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 it's here to express something beyond itself. So it comes out that these very ideas which are limited are only limited externally. Internally they're not limited because their limitation itself and their development was to express something that's beyond limitation and beyond, beyond its definitions. And, 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 and juxtapose that, and I mean, not juxtapose, um, um, compare that with a story a little different. How about if the metaphor that the teacher gave happened to have happened three weeks before that? The same, the teacher doesn't know that this story happened. It happened that there was, there was a guy on the road and robbers attacked him. And exactly what the teacher said. He gives a story, and this story, the teacher doesn't know that the story really happened. It really happened a few weeks earlier, in a different time, in a different place. I don't know. It happened. So when you take a look at that story that happened, that story, how does that convey the abstraction and the idea? No. That story is a story that's about the story. In other words, when, when, when someone is watching this event, he sees a criminal, and he sees a robber, and he sees theft, and he sees, I don't know, whatever. Again, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm alluding to some story that I never told. But, but you get what I'm saying, is that we're dealing with something that, 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 that happened. It has a life of its own. And in that story, it really is a limited story. It is what it is. That's its existence. That's its reality. 
But in this story, this, the teacher created the story. So, since he is creating it for the conveying of his... So even though for the time being he's creating in the mind of the student an abstraction. Because if I want to teach you an abstract truth about the most abstract concepts and, 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 and refined ideas, I don't want you to think about horses and coaches and, and, and robbers and roads and this and that. That's like creating, uh, 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 occupying space in, in the brain, which the brain now needs to process abstraction and 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 and, and, and uh, this the, the, the has to be pure from from stuff. I'm throwing a bunch of junk in there, a bunch of things that are that are that are coloring, making colors, and making making. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting material in the mind that needs to be clean from material. But why am I putting the material? I'm, I'm creating this, these, these, these definitions and these, and these limitations because in them and through them I see the idea itself and by, 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 by creating this structure, I don't mean that there should be a structure. I mean that you should undo the structure when you get it and you understand it and get back to the purity to, of, of the concept and, the, um, and of the idea. So what is the true definition of these very of these very blockages, of these very stuff that I'm throwing into this metaphor, their true definition is not the, 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 the boundaries and limitations and, 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 and storyline that it created. It's, it's really the idea. That's what they're all about. And the idea is an abstract, is an abstract idea. And that's why it's not a contradiction. Because from the very beginning, I, 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 I brought and I created this this, this metaphor to be a metaphor for, for a concept as opposed to these things existing independently. And that's the same thing with Elohim. Suddenly in the midst of God's infinite infinity, beyond time, simple with absolute simplicity, no definitions, no limitations, nothing, no characterization that can characterize Him whatsoever. Suddenly, within all of that, there is a there is a universe, and there is and there is and there is yesterday and today and tomorrow, and there is space and here and there. All these things that are total opposite of the simplicity of the ain't self. Ah, that's all coming from the name of Elokim. What's Elokim doing? Elokim is from is initiating a marshal. It's initiating a metaphor to explain. To explain what? To explain himself. But to, in order for him to, to reveal himself even to creatures of time and space. So, the, which, so which means to further the, 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 the depth of his, of his omnipotence and of his limitlessness. He emanated the, this, this, this power of tzimtzum and emanated in this entire metaphor. But it's all a metaphor. So it comes out. What does it come out? So he, here's where we're reaching the idea. Comes out from here that the name of Elohim, which created, which if you can say, within the simplicity of beyond time and space, the eternity and the ain't and the ain't and, and so forth, created this. It started bending 
they call it bending the universe, bending and boundaries, started, started developing a development. This development is not it. It too is Havaya. It too is the expression of the orange self of the infinite one. And in it, in Hashem who knows that and sees in it, so to him, the metaphor, the, the Elohim, the entire project of time and space is not in any way in hindrance or a contradiction or something other than, 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 than the Orin Soif. And therefore, what happens from the Abishters? So, what happens? So, Havaya Lokim are absolutely one. As we said before, the teacher sees in the metaphor the entire, the entire emes. So then consequentially, how does that trickle down into, in, into the world? It means that time and space, which the way it appears to us is time and space, is time and space. And it's truly limiting, defining, separating, and creating true barriers and walls. And in total negation and total opposition of the limitlessness and the infinite and the timelessness and the spacelessness of God. But that's, that's only from our perspective. From him, the, the marshal itself is a conveyor of his emes and of his truth. So it comes out according to that that Olukim and Havaya are completely, are completely one. So therefore, in Elohim itself, and that's how you can have both of them together. In other words, just like, just like, let's put it this way, for the teacher to see the full depth, it's not like the teacher is, while he's teaching the student, and while he's saying the metaphor, the teacher only sees the metaphor. It's not that way. And then the teacher says, oh, the beauty of the teacher is that the teacher could undo the metaphor. There's no metaphor and I can, I can go back. I can see it like this, or I can see it like that. You know, sometimes I have these eye um, things that, art that, that plays a trick on the, on the eye. You can either see it like, you know, the, the, the face of a person or the face of a monkey. And, and <laughs> which way you're looking at it. You're looking for me, and sometimes you're looking at it, and then, then, and then, but in order to be able to see the other one, you have to undo the other, you have to somehow shift your vision or, 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 or realize that this is not the nose, but this is the chin. You know, you have these, 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 that one that I remember seeing was once, it was, uh, I don't know, they have all these, 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 these different things that they, it, 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 it deceives your eye. You see one or you see the other. So God can either see time and space or he can undo it and not see. It's like, but that's not, what it, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, no, 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 no. He, he, he sees in the metaphor itself, he sees the entire depth. In time and space, he sees timeless, he sees the ain't self. So according to this comes out that you can have both at the same time. You can have the metaphor of Elohim and therefore you have an entire world set with time and space and 
Oh, so everywhere in the world, God, as he sees it, he sees how time and space is really not blocking, and therefore there is no limitations of time and space all over. There's no such a thing as here, there, everywhere. But our, our reality is we have, to us, we haven't yet gradually understood the metaphor. We haven't yet detected, and if we have understood the metaphor, we've only understood a limited idea in the metaphor, but not, not the entire concept. So we haven't reached by looking into the creation and into the world to see the Ein Sof, the pure Ein Sof of the Eberster. In the place of the Migdash, we get to see, if we go into the Kodesh HaKadosh, and that's a place that God is, we get to see it in the same way Hashem is seeing it. So the element of Avaya is, is not, is, Elohim is not contradicting Avaya, and they're both unified. That's Avaya and Elohim together. Time and space, and beyond time and space, have completely converged. They're at peace with each other. From our perspective as well, not just from the perspective of Havaya, so to speak, but from the perspective of Elohim as well. That Elohim, it's like the student, it's like the student who can come to the teacher and say, Ah, this is what you've been, this is what you've been saying all along. This is the way you see it. Now the student, it's it's like we say, this is what it means when it says, ayin be ayin, eye to eye we will see. So when we come to the Makam Amigdash, we go into the base of age, we say, Ayin be ayin, I see it the way you see it, God. Wow. There's nothing blocking you. You're everywhere. Your ain't sofas everywhere. And by seeing it in the base of English, I know it's everywhere. It's just that when we go back, the, the, the concealments of Elohim begin to take effect. So this is the more external explanation of the yichud of Avay and Elohim. This is on a lower level. But then there is a deeper level of the unity of Avai and Elohim. The Rebbe says there is another explanation. So again, the kernel and the main idea of the explanation over here is that the whole initial coming about of Elohim is not about Tzimtzum. It, the concept really is, let me use Hasidic terminology, it's Tzimtzum Bishvil Hagiloi. Since the whole reason of the Tzimtzum, the reason we brought the contraction, which is the metaphor, is to also to further the idea. So it comes out that the metaphor is part of the idea. And that's why you can see in the metaphor the entire idea. Because the, because what the, the, the contraction into time and space is not about contraction. It's really about to help the, 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 the revelation of the Ein Sof. But then the Rebbe says, and we're going to make this very briefly. It's not, I know, don't get scared that we're going to be here for another 45 minutes. We're going to do this short and sweet. There is a much deeper explanation in why to the Eberster, why to God, time and space doesn't block. And time and space are completely unified with, the, with, with beyond time and space. See, according to the explanation that we said now, um, What we're saying is like this. Despite the fact that Elohim creates definitions, and definitions is the opposite of a 
definitionless, definitionless God. It's the total opposite of, an, of the pshitus, of the simplicity of the ain't sof that has no beginning and end. Red or white, tall or short, hot or cold, uh, whatever. All the, all, the, all the things that come about in the creation. It's just we're saying that the reason these things exist is not to block him, but to ultimately convey him. So therefore in them, he really sees him. So it's, it's really not... So... At, but you realize, according to this explanation, we are still need to dismiss the time and space element. What do I mean we need to dismiss? We're saying that the time and the space are really not about time and space. They're really about to reveal the beyond time and the beyond space in time and space, but they're not really about time and space. In other words, time and space itself, the rigidity of it, the limitation of it, is a contradiction. If the metaphor, that's what I told you earlier, if the metaphor would be a metaphor that happened outside of the teacher's story, the metaphor is a metaphor that took place. That metaphor is a, is, is a story. It's a story with things which have nothing to do with this abstract concept. It's only since it was the teacher that from the very beginning molded, since the, the, the definitions, since the tzimtzum. In other words, in tzimtzum itself, we don't see God. It's just that we're saying that the point of the tzimtzum is not the tzimtzum. The point of the tzimtzum is the revelation of the Abishter in the space of the tzimtzum. And therefore, this itself is not really limitation. It's really the limitlessness of God that even in a limited construct it's really it's really also still only the ain't self so time however if we embrace time for what time is that's a distraction that's a block it's only we have to dig deeper and go underneath time we have to dig deeper and go underneath space and say what's the panemius of the space but now the Rebbe says something deeper and he says there's a deeper explanation of why Avai and Elohim one and he says like this who says that God is to be known and defined by what you want to know Hashem how do you know him you get to know God Hashem that he is limitless he has no definitions Therefore, if Hashem is projecting a projection that is indicating limitation, boundaries, that's a concealment of Him. That's not Him. That's a blockage of Him. In other words, what we are used to see, saying all the time is that the revelation of God, that's a quality, and the concealment of God that's a that's a chisarin. That's a that's a uh, that's a problem. That's a. It's just that we're saying that concealment is for the sake of revelation. The Rebbe says that in truth, both names Havaya and Elokim are both names of the same Abishter, of God, a God who transcends Havaya and he transcends Elokim. Havaya and Elokim are both only names of him. That means that when he reveals himself and he projects himself as a limitless being, that's not him. He is whatever he wants. 
Hashem chooses to 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 present himself in Sederishtalshalos, in in worlds, in existence, in two manners. One of them through revelation, that's the source of miracles, that's the source of of beyond time and space revelation of him, and he chooses. He chooses to be nizgale, not in his pshitus, in his simplicity, but he chooses to be nizgale through gavul, through limitation. And both of them is the same abish there. In other words, God could choose to reveal to us how he's beyond and beyond and beyond and, then, and that, he's, that he's not defined in any definition whatsoever and he's beyond this and beyond that and beyond and beyond and beyond. And if he chooses to express himself in, with all limitations... as a stone, let's say, then that too is him. He's not defined by the abstract. He's not defined by the limited. It's whatever he chooses. He chooses to kav him. One kav, one direction, one, one, one mode is revelation. And one mode, a mode of concealment. But even the mode of concealment is a way in which he's expressing himself. And they're, therefore they're both names. Names means expressing of him. Comes out like this. The timelessness of the expressions of Havaya. And the time and space, or, or the spacelessness of the expressions of Havaya. And the time, and the fixed time and space of Elohim are both exactly the same. In what sense they're the same? They're both names of one being. Therefore the consequence of it, the time and the space, not the power behind it is both in other words, is you're going to say that the Abishter is made up of two powers: a power to to re, to express and a power to hide and to conceal, to limit. No, he's a he he is. It's not even; it just is. So therefore, in, in the essence, it's 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 just him. So therefore, in, in the essence, Havai and Elokim is him. So they're both. So they're not contradicting. So the consequential time and timelessness is also him. And not because time is here to assist and to help the beyond time, to convey the beyond time. And it's not because space is really a conduit for spacelessness, it's here to reveal the spacelessness, and therefore, it's just because, it's, it's just because space as space is limiting, and, and, and spacelessness as it's unlimiting, and timelessness that's, time that, that's unlimited, and time that is limited are both one. Because in truth there's only one being, one simple apishter. And these are just expressions of the singular essence of him. And therefore Havayan and Lakim are absolutely one. 
So time, as time is time, not because time, time and space is one mode of God revealing himself. Again, <laughs> we say it's concealing because we want to see God in his, in his super duper uh, abilities. But this too is him and that is him. So they're both him. So there's no contradiction. In this case, the, when you're digging to the true, true nature, to the true substance of what time is, what is time? Elohim. What is Elohim? The Abishter's power of Gvul. God's power to limit. What is timelessness? An expression of Havaya. Hoya hoy What is what is Havaya? Havaya is a name of God. Two names to the singular same being. Out of his endless possibility, this name and this name. It's just one, it's it's one truth about him. So one can't hide on the other. Meaning they're both the same. Now, when we look at the world and we experience time, we're experiencing everything already as it is already downstream, downriver. Havayan Elohim have emanated. Each one has become two modes of existence, two powerful forces. As things emerge outward, and then they become, they sort of get an identity. Then already you have to figure out this is this, this is that, how do they work together? And then one blocks the, eventually as it trickles all the way down, one blocks the other. So time is a, an obscurity and a, real, and, a real, and a real block and a real concealment. When Moshiach will come, and this is the Chiddush of the third base of Megdish, and this is what the Medrash says when the Medrash says, Yavoy Aryeh, the lion will reveal. Lion, the Rebbe says, is only going to be revealed in the third base of Megdash. It's referring, lion is in Kabbalah Hasidus, referring to Keser. When Keser is revealed, meaning beyond Sfirot, in the first base of Megdash, in the second base of Megdash, Hashem's essence was hidden, what was revealed, Hashem was projecting his, his spherot, his attributes. In the attributes, there's already, already there's, a, there, there's different modes. A mode of revelation and a mode of concealment. Therefore, the, the, the time and the, and the beyond time did not perfectly, weren't perfectly one. What you had was that despite the fact that time is, is time, since ultimately time, the timelessness, the, the limitations of the world are meant to support the, the beyond time. And over here is where you can see the two of them. One is, simil, is, 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 is subjugated in a sense to the other. So therefore Elohim dominated, Havaya dominated over Elohim. And, 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 um, and, and timelessness and spacelessness was revealed comes out that the revelation of the spacelessness wasn't entirely from time itself. It was because something overpowered time and space. What overpowered time and space was the spacelessness of Havaya. And how did it overpower? Because the Lokim doesn't really contradict it. And why doesn't the Lokim contradict Because the Lokim is really here, as we said before, the metaphor is really here to support the concept. But there's still one thing overpowering the other. 
But in the third base Amigdash, it's going to be a much deeper realization because it's going to be a much more core essential revelation. The revelation is going to be one of essence. One of essence, the, the modes of expression and concealment of gvul and beligvul all are just about one. They're totally one because it's only him. He, he will be there. And therefore the nature of time itself, what is time? Him. What is beyond time? Him. And therefore time itself is a keili. It's a keili to express beyond time because, it's, because they're totally one. Time and the beyond time are totally one. So time is not in any way rigid and stuck or space is not in any way in any way identified as some entity. And that's how they can be, exist in perfect oneness. And perfect oneness. So the true, so, what, so what's the underlying point over here? <coughs> the underlying point over here is everything is going to be reabsorbed in source. Or rather, let's put it in other words, source is going to reveal itself in all of its emanations. Completely. And it's so to the point, because it's going to be revealed, everything is going to be absorbed. When I mean to say, I, I didn't want to use the word reabsorb, because that would mean it almost like it's being undone. It's not being undone. Everything is projected, yet the source is moving outward to completely reveal itself in its emanations. And therefore, everything will be defined by only one thing, and that it's God himself. So there's no contradictions anymore. And therefore, the truth of what time is at its core core and what space is at its core core will be revealed. And that is that it's the power of the Eberstu's gavul, which is one with the Eberstu's power of beligavuls, the limiting of that. So therefore, it's not a contradiction. So time itself and, and space itself, while it's being space, is spaceless because it, it's, it's not a, 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 a limited space. It's the Abishter. It's God. And that's what makes the third base Amigdash so amazing because in the, obviously that, that, that's going to dominate all of existence and all of the universe but it's primary source of where it's going to take hold and where it's going to be most expressed is in the Makam Amigdash. From there, it's going to emanate into the entire world. So why is the third base Amigdash going to be? Why is the third temple going to be eternal? That's, the, that's bringing it, let's bring it full circle. The eternity of the third temple is going to be not because a revelation from above is because there is a world. And the world, in a world there is time, and where there is time there is decomposing and aging, and eventually things just disintegrate, they can't last forever. So what do we say? Oh, no, this is a place where beyond time takes effect. God over here dominates and beyond time, over, overwhelmed, we're saying a whole, overwhelmed, that's the way it was in the first temple, overwhelms the, the, the space, and the space itself kind of becomes like a conduit to, becomes like a, an assistance to reveal that. But here we're saying something much deeper. It's not coming from above. It's not coming from Havaya. It's, not, it's the true nature of Elohim revealed. 
the truest nature of Elohim revealed is that Elohim is just a name for Atzmos. It's a name for God. And the other power, and that very Abish there, Atzmos himself has the power to be believable. So it can be therefore time and timeless at the same time. Which doesn't make any sense, but and space can facilitate beyond space. It's not space because it's space. It's space because this is what the Eberster is now expressing. But it's the same Eberster that it can express believable. So its eternity is not going to be from a revelation from above, but, but earth itself, but nature itself, but the world itself, from within itself. completely in a laboratory, not from any kind of mystical holiness, from the perspective of a scientific... We're going to see this. That's why it says, and he says, the Chiddush, the real Chiddush of the Giyula, the real Chiddush of the Giyula is when Jews are going to be come back to the land of Israel, it's not going to be that God is going to gather the Jewish people from all four corners and bring them to the land of Israel. It's that space itself of the four directions of the earth, which the fact that we're scattered in the six, in the six directions, or as it says, four directions and then up and down, the fact that we're everywhere. <laughs> Say, what do you mean up and down? Neshamas that are in Gan Eden, neshamas that might be in the opposite. I don't know if the Rebbe doesn't translate that in the Mimer, but that would be a Mchura, up and down. And what would be the four directions for? It means Jews are scattered, so you're not in Israel. So how are we going to get back? God will take them away from the four, and will bring them to the land of Israel. He's saying, no, 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 no. The gathering is going to come from the world itself. What does that mean? That space itself is going to bring them. The, n- north is going to bring its Jews. South is going to bring its Jews. But one second, if north is coming, then it's not north anymore. No, no, north is being north, and south is being south. And, and east and west, the space itself is going to defy the orders of space. And at the same time, it's still north and south. That's a pasuk. The pasuk says... Um, One second over here. What's the pasuk that he brings? He brings a pasuk. Here, let me just share the pasuk. He brings the pasuk. Um, Memizrach of Izaracha. So in the beginning, it's, it implied that Hashem will bring. From the east, I will bring your children. And from the west, I will gather you. So this is not proving it yet. But here is the word. He says to the north, Tani. He says to the north, give. Give. Give the Jews. Don't hold them back. Bring my children from a distance. Knows the Giyul is going to be coming from the world itself, not from some divine power from above. Um, David, 
so he brings over here, he asks the question, it seems only by the north it says, the north will bring. But It says, if the Abish commands to the Ruchais itself, Yisrael, the Geula is going to come from time and space itself, from the world itself. The Nitzchias of the Beis Amish, the eternity of the Beis Amish is not going to be because some godly power is over, is, is present over here and is defying nature. Nature itself will, 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 will display its own truth and therefore it won't age. It will defy time. Even though it, is, it, it itself is time because the truth of time is really only him. Wow. This is something we can really think about and think about, but there's no time to think about because these things have to happen already. But this is the depth over here. May we merit that this Tisha B'Av already, there should already be the fullest galus of God himself. And what we see over here is that the real redemption, the real geula doesn't take some major external forces. It's just an expansion of our own consciousness. It's just a redefinition. It's just really learning Hasidus and understanding it and thinking about it until it becomes your reality. And when it becomes your reality, it is the reality. Now, obviously, I am going to say, we're not going to wait till every person is going to learn Hasidus and reach this deep understanding. We can bring ourselves into that state and start the process, and then it will be happened by divine assistance, by God helping us out with the great miracles of the redemption, help all of humanity and all of the Jewish people for sure to come into this, into this consciousness and into this awareness of how present the Eberster is, how how God is so here. And the definition of everything we see, of nature and of all the, even things that are limiting is not limitation. It's, it's the Eberster's choice of self, self-limiting and therefore oh, it's all him. Everything is him. Every, every, everything, even things that seem like constrictions, it's only him. And once you see that, there is no constriction. There is no ache, there is no pain, there is no constriction, there is no death, there is no illness. There is no, there is only the Eberster's truth. That truth is good. May we see it now.